simple man making his way through the galaxy, like my father before me. Hey Star Wars fans and Rule the Galaxy fans, welcome back to chapter 107, 107 episodes of the Rule of the Galaxy podcast, and uh, we've got we have great co-hosts tonight. But we've got a special guest. We've been looking so forward to talking to him. We'll get we'll get to him in a minute. And I know we've been promoting on Twitter and other social media uh, avenues. But uh, as always, you can follow us at Rule the Galaxy SW on Twitter. You can email us Rule the Galaxy SW at gmail dot com. Um, Rule the Galaxy on Facebook and on YouTube. And while we're recording this live right now on the podcast side, this uh, YouTube will be up later on this week. So you can go check that out and see, check out our cool guests and all his great stuff in his office that he's got there. But again, it's Joe in the pilot seat. Uh, thank you for being a part of this ride. 107 chapters of this crazy podcast. Just some Star Wars guys having fun here. I'm going to go through our regular co-hosts and introduce everybody. Uh, we'll go alphabetical. I love going alphabetical. It reminds me of school. We'll start off with my cousin, Alfie. Alf, how you doing, brother? Man, I know I say it every week, and every week it just gets more hectic at my house. And it rush to get here, but I'm happy to be able to have a chance to talk some Boba Fett and some Star Wars. You got it. And as always, for our viewers on YouTube, and occasionally mm-hmm. you might hear her on the podcast, Miss Azalea, one of the biggest Star Wars fans in the world, is checking us out there with Alfie. So hi, Azalea. Yeah, um, she's got a few minutes left in her. Yeah, she'll, the batteries will run low. Uh, yeah. Mr. Brent Dykeman, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, just finished off some Squid Game, so kind of kind of in an interesting space mentally because of that. But okay. I also want to make sure that I let everybody know that Azalea had a tough decision to make for Halloween. She she was choose she had to choose between the Mandalorian or Boba Fett because she had both costumes. Daniel <laughs> Logan weighed in and told her that she should go with Boba, but I believe she chose Mando. Uh, yes, she did. Yeah. It was last minute. You know, when Daniel Logan's throwing in, or our other guest here in a minute, when they're throwing in advice, we should probably maybe listen, but she is too. So she she still has that free spirit. Yeah, and, free uh, spirit. That's right. That's right. Last but not least of our regular co-host, D-Doc, out from Philly. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. Uh, very excited to have Mark on tonight. I, uh, I sent that email as a Hail, Hail Mary a while ago, and it's awesome to have him on here. So I'm just excited with all this news that came out this week to just talk about everything Star Wars under the sun. I'm hyped. Well, I will thank you initially, uh, D-Doc, for getting this set up because it was your hard work and effort reaching out to uh, to our friend Mark here to, to bring him on the show. And we know we had some some issues that, that caused you to not be on earlier. We're, we are, again, so sorry for you on those family issues that came up, but we are glad that you were able to come back and be a part of what we're doing. But the guy we're talking to and the guy we're talking about is the one and the only Mark Anthony Austin, also known as Boba Fett from A New Hope in the special edition. Mark, welcome to Rule the Galaxy. How are you? I am very well. I'm very well. I'm very pleased to be here. Um, I, I said that you know, we delayed it, but finally, finally, we came together. So I'm, I'm well, glad. Well, we are glad to have you. And and I'll tell you what, I Brent brought this up as we were talking beforehand, just getting to know each other and everything. But looking at your IMDB page, I'm just going to start off there. Besides you being 
Boba he- Boba Fett from a New Hope special edition. The, the things you've been involved with, um, and and if if any of these are wrong, let me know. But vi- visual effects, it's saying here: Men in Black, Godzilla, Star Trek Beyond, Jungle Book, Smurfs, Arthur Christmas, Avengers, Three Hundred, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Thor, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And then also you've done work for ILM and Disney. Uh, Casper, one of my kids' favorite movies. They love that movie still to this day. Uh, Dinosaur, Treasure Planet, Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, and Bolt. Um, and that is an awesome, for visual Casper. people, is absolutely awesome Casper right there. Um, one of my but, childhood favorites. So one... Brent mentioned again earlier, we are just geeking out. Oh, look at that from Chicken Little. See, I've, I've watched way too many of these movies myself. Um, but we kind of geek out to think that we're actually talking to somebody who's been involved, not only with Star Wars, but all of these different franchises and movies and everything like that. Just if you want to kind of recap to our listeners a little bit about yourself, your your upbringing, your movies, your your involvement, anything you think would make them go wow i i definitely need to follow this guy more and pay more attention to him give us a quick thirty thousand foot view of, of that kind of uh, background i'll compress it as small as i can okay i got a bachelor of arts degree in animation and so for the first five years i made commercials in the uk and europe and so in the uk people know my commercials but you don't get your credit on a commercial i got a job offer in uh ILM. They flew me over just for one job in 94, and I'm still here. Wow. Uh, I did two years at ILM, and then Disney were like, come to Disney. So a lot of my friends migrated, and so I did 13 years at Disney, and then uh, since then, been in visual effects again, but mainly on the previous side. So this is shot creation or sequence creation, action scenes made virtually. Okay. Ahead of time so that it saves a budget because they know exactly all the shots and they can budget out a movie, know who's going to be in front of the camera, actually show them what it's going to look like. I've been doing that since 2009. And the last two years, I've been working back in feature animation again for Netflix. Okay. There you are. There we go. Ta-da. Okay. So... Grant, I'll, I'll let you take the next question. And good Mr. night. Austin. So... so <laughs> <laughs> Right. So you said you started with animation and I just want to know how it, in, in a brief answer, how has the technology changed from you said 94 in animation to 2020 yeah. in animation oh, there. I like there it's, yeah. it's, it has to be night and day different. There's, there's things that I wish we had when we made, um, cause the two movies I made at, uh, at ILM was Casper and new hope special edition doing the creatures. And so if I had the tools I have now to do the creatures, I could, I mean, they might look okay to you guys. I don't know. (laughs) I see mistakes. I see things I wish I could do over. I see problems. And that's because the tools, the tools changed. On Casper, there had been no movies that had done lip sync with an animated creature before that we knew of. So we had no reference. There've been some really ugly things that are done in uh, some, some, some shorts made and put in festivals, but nothing that looked realistic. And so we had to come up with an idea of how to make Casper believably speak. And so the solution we came up with was to have 
someone design, which was me, I had to design all the Casper face shapes. That's why I became the Casper lead. But I did the, I designed his neutral mouth. And then you design a mouth that's most extreme open. And if you blend between the two, it looks like he's opening and closing his mouth. That's the whole concept behind all the animation that happens today. But we had to think of it and yeah. come up with it and, and test it. And we tried, we tried motion capture on the lips and it looked very creepy. It kind of crawled. <laughs> it kind of crawled. It looked like it looked like I don't know. I don't hate to diss this, but I can't stand the lip sync on Dragon Heart just because it's so oh, yeah. moving everywhere. It's like it was too I told them we've got too many controls, but they wouldn't listen. Anyway. Um, That's right. Yeah, uh, it's changed significantly. Now they have things called constraints, where the constraint is my hand comes up, I do a pose like I'm grabbing the glass. And then now you can say, okay, on this frame, the glass is not attached to the hand, but on this frame, the following frame, it is. And so up before it, you can move the hand around. It's not going to move the glass. After it, it's going to have the glass in it. If only we had that in 1995. <laughs> if only, if only we had that, that would have been so much easier. <laughs> you know, I, I think um, just to make it seem how weird the world is, I got my first email address, I think, in 1994. So that was about the time you were doing that work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my first day, my first day at, my first day at Ireland was actually sneaking in there. Well, not sneaking in. Somebody showed me where I was going to be working. Like, this is where you're going to be working. It's a Saturday. You're going to be working here. This is your desk. This is your computer. Wow, I've never seen a computer before. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to do a login. What the hell is a login? <laughs> He's like, this guy had done computers, obviously. Oh, you got to think, you got to come up with your, your name. Your name, you're, you're probably M. Austin. Uh, now you've got to come up with a password. Okay, what is it? No, you've got to think of it. I, I didn't know anything. <laughs> didn't know anything my first day. Because before, when I did the five years of commercials in the UK, that was all hand-drawn animation. Oh, man. So that was, uh, that was yeah, it was all hand-drawn, and it had to be inked, and you know, I helped to track paint and trace, and painted backgrounds for some commercials. I kind of got my hand into everything. So I think that... That first job where I was doing the 2D animation and doing backgrounds and doing uh, inking and doing all these different disciplines, even directing, I directed a couple of commercials. Because I'd done all of it, even storyboarding, I, I kind of went into the movie industry with all this as like a, a wealth of knowledge. And so ILM just like jumped on yes. that and yes. jumped on it. You know? So they kind of, you know, they they were smart. They they didn't know, they didn't have, they couldn't like go down a list of computer animators. Now you can, right? You look at it online. This is before. Now this is when the internet was out, but you couldn't have access to it at, at ILM. Not when I was working there. There was no access back then. Right. But you had an email, internal email, and you could email like your friends in England, but they didn't have any email. So oh, I yeah. couldn't email anyone until, you know. So, so it's very weird back then, very different. I'll hit you up and I'll let Brent. Do you find yourself, even with all these new tools and gadgets and everything technologically advanced, 
Do you still find yourself wanting to sometimes just sit back and draw oh, something? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, because like, now I'm working on a, a, an anime. It's an anime for um, Netflix. I can tell you what it is. It's Ultraman made in Japan. Yeah. Well, it might be. That's the working title. It might change. Um, but because they, they give you the 2D storyboards, which I'm familiar with, but then you've got to make this circular camera move in mm. 3D, come booming down towards something, and yet keeping him in, in that place on the frame. It's very easy to draw that, but it's hard to replicate that all in 3D and keep that character from moving all over the, the screen, you know. Gotcha. Um, no, no, it's good. Brent, you had something, and then after him, if D-Doc or, or Alfie have something for you, go ahead. It was just two quick questions. So you were talking about Casper, and you were talking about developing the mouth. Just so, like, I, because I, I think I have an idea, and I'm yeah. curious what the answer is. How long did it take you to work on just that mouth and to get it to a point where you felt it was workable? Uh, that probably was about, on my part, was about, three weeks okay but on the modeler's part i gave him a bunch of drawings you know for all the not just the phonemes which is the a e i o u you know those face shapes uh, but the b's p's m's n's r's you know they're all different <laughs> they're different shapes right r, r is if it's the s given to a t you know it's it's it will give it and because we didn't have a joy casper I had to, mm -hmm. We had to just animate that mouth. He didn't really have a, a real jaw. Now we do usually build jaws into uh, 3D models. I'm really glad this is going to be on YouTube because we're doing some serious <laughs> visual here. So, And then the follow-up question to that, as you mentioned drawing, so I see a Leia in the background. Is yeah. that a, is that a, is that a uh, your work or is that a lithograph? Yeah. Yeah, or is that hand-drawn? This is... This is yeah, all these are okay. That's a that's okay. a pencil. Uh, this is acrylic. Oh, it's not finished yet. Wow, the, it's not finished. That yet. probe is awesome. That <laughs> is I've got awesome. more cloud here. I've got the stars to put in. A bit more cloud here, and that dark oh, is a bit too light. And that's gorgeous down here. Yeah, yeah just I go was ahead following and start your progress of that on um, Twitter. Sorry, Joe, but no, no, no. I was, I was say, uh, just, go ahead. I was following your progress of that on Twitter and and I was like blown away by it because I was jacked up because I just bought the um, probe droid Lego recently. Yeah, I still have so I, got, it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I did get it. I got these two on my desk down here. Oh man! Wow! Wow! Uh, I got, I got, yeah, lots of stuff around. Here's a here's a self portrait. In, that's in color pencil. Nice. So for those on listening, wow. Mark Mark showing us a Boba Fett of himself, a drawing from him from uh, Star Wars: A New Hope Special Edition when he's under the Falcon. That's gorgeous. Um, uh, this this I sculpted. This is this is a I sculpted this at Disney. Oh my god! You sculpted that? <laughs> yeah. I I think it's a Rancor, by the way. It's a Rancor, and there's like a Gaborian guard half torso down there. Oh. I could use that in Legion, Joe. You could. You probably need to just go get that from him. Use it as part of your terrain. Um, these are these are fabulous. So the, the sculpting he was just showing us, for those of you who listen on the podcast, I don't know, a couple feet high, a couple feet wide, Rancor that he sculpted himself. 
It's actually, I mean, between the Leia, the Probe Droid, the Dewback back there, all gorgeous work. Um, D-Doc, uh, go ahead. You were going to hit him with another question. All right. This is just kind of off the top of the head, but uh, I just thought of it. Um, when you put on the Boba Fett suit, uh, what kind of jitters would you say you had, if you had any? <laughs> were you nervous? You, think, you mean for the blue screen shoot, yeah? Yeah. Because I've worn it four times. Okay. So okay. This, this I'd, I'd, like to hear, I'd like to hear one, how it initially happened, and then I'd like to hear what the four it's, times were. It's weird. When... Sorry, Alfie, I cut. I'm sorry, I cut. He <laughs> <laughs> took my first one and you took the second one. <laughs> and and Alfie's a big Boba Fett fan, so we're screwing it all up for him. <laughs> I've waited like a month with those two questions. <laughs> oh, shoot. You could ask like five more. We'll shut up. I'll let you ask it again. Go ahead, Alfie. <laughs> no, go ahead. It's out there. I just want to hear the answer. Okay. Well, for me personally, like any, uh, this is like kind of growing up loving uh, dress up like as a kid. For me, as soon as that helmet comes down, it's like it's like the mark goes away and, and Boba's there. And it's, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not done the other two times, uh, my second and third time, where I got to wear the suit and walk around it in it for four hours straight. So I think because of doing that twice, like two kind of practice runs of four hours wearing the suit uh, and, uh, and manipulating my way visually, no one to, no one to help me. So I had to get used to low light and that T visor really fast, and especially the vertical. Invaluable, this vertical bit down here. But those eight hours, I think, con contributed to no jitters on the day because I'd done it. I, I, was, I was used to the suit. I was used to it. Uh, I had lines still from the last time I'd worn it, I think. Um, it was it, as soon as that helmet comes down. I, I it was easy just to become boba, I think. So it's funny because I was just uh, going around on Halloween with my little guy. He was Darth Vader for Halloween, and I have the Black Series Mandalorian helmet. Yeah, and it's fun. It's funny how you're saying that because I just feel like when you put that helmet on, it's almost like yeah, it's almost like you feel like you just kind of turn into something Takes else. Over. I don't know. Like that's yeah. funny. It's, it's, like, it, it's like it's like. <laughs> yeah. It's like um, when uh, Iron Man puts one piece of his suit on, the rest just kind of grows. As soon as that helmet's on, you just feel like you're in in the gear. I don't know. That's, that's me. That's me. But then I I feel different wearing any kind of even hats, a cap. When I used to do when I used to go, I'm gonna give my secrets away to Disney now. But anyway, when I used to go in and negotiate with Disney, I used to wear uh, an LA Dodgers baseball cap, and I used to always look at the guy from just below the peak, and I found it really easy to play, just play hardball and just, like, not budge and just say, well, if you don't like it, then I'm going. And, and that was it. And just draw the line in the sand. And wearing that hat just did it for me. Just wearing a baseball cap, simple as that. It's That's weird. not a bad thing. No I, wonder Clint I've East always been like that since a kid, though. No wonder Clint Eastwood was so tough with the cowboy hat on, right? I mean, he put that hat on. <laughs> It's kind of, <laughs> boom, uh, John Wayne, Clint Eastwood. Alfie, we stole some of your stuff. Ask some questions leading up Come to all these things he was talking about. So you feel like you've done it, and, and I haven't screwed it up for you. 
what was it like seeing the finished product? Uh, well, I had to wait for 25 months. Because wow. we, we shot the blue screen December 6th of 1994. So 1994 was a really good year for me. That was when I came yeah. to the States. Uh, I got to be my hero. Um, uh, but I had to wait till it was January of uh, 97 to see it from December of 94. So that was just over two years. Longest two years of my life. Because <laughs> I couldn't tell anybody. Right, oh. right. Who, who do you tell? Who would even believe you? Who's got email? No one. You know? <laughs> who, who was... Um... When you were when you were doing that, when you were dressing the suit, uh, when you were either doing those eight hours you talked about, or being in the blue screen, mm-hmm. who were some of the people that were around? Was was it some of the people that were those other creatures or aliens actually there? Were they filmed at different times? Were no. you know who was behind the the filming of it? All that kind of stuff. No, all that footage existed. They shot that in '96, mm-hmm. and re- recreating the footage that that. I, that I was in my slice of film would have been much easier if they had kept any of the camera data, but it was just like some of the disastrous decisions Disney had made in burning Bambi artwork. Someone, someone just trashed all the camera data for that whole movie. So we didn't, they didn't have any information on the height of the camera or the lens or the, or the distance to me. So all that footage, all the aliens uh, that was shot in 1976, and only I was comped in amongst them. And um, what they had to do is I had to stand on a a blue screen. The only thing I had was my start position, end position, or start position, pause position, exit. And the only other piece of tape was on the blue screen on the, the rear wall, and that was a piece of tape which designated uh, Harrison Ford's eye line when he would be, would have been at the top of the ramp. So the last position he would ever be in would be like this position I should be looking at. So I had to look at where Harrison Ford had gone, and then uh, and then check out the uh, make sure it was clear for everyone to go and then exit. But there was nothing but me on that on that stage. Okay. Just blue screen, me, and pieces of tape. Yeah, I, I mean, I know, I, we all know they filmed that initially, like you said, you know, whatever years back, 76 or whatever, with the, the gentleman standing in as Java, who they originally had as Java. Yeah, and then yeah. super, did you have any involvement with the Java himself that was put no. in there? No, thankfully. <laughs> I, I, I dodged that bullet. <laughs> I was even offered it because, um, that was done by Steve Williams. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Williams, but we probably should be, but we are not. I'm Steve not. Williams directed the uh, the blue screen shoot. Okay. George's stead. But Steve Williams was the guy that was who came up with the idea of animating the bones of dinosaurs and then attaching the muscles and skin to it. He was the guy that thought that. So he did the T Rex in the original Jurassic Park and sold it sold it with this animation. Uh, he did the water tentacle in the abyss. Uh, he did the mm-hmm. T1, T1000 coming out of the mm-hmm. flames. Okay. So he was he was like the guy. Yeah. So so when they said who to, to take on Chaba, 
they didn't think of me because I'm the new guy. <laughs> I'd, I'd done Casper, yeah. I'd kind of knocked out, I'd done one good movie, but this was the guy. So they gave it to Steve. And so Steve had Jabba, and I was working on just all the other creatures. So scurriers, uh, fake stormtroopers, rontos, dewbacks, uh, jawas, uh, so sand, uh, uh, speeders, and droids. So you're responsible for that uh, C-3PO speeder scene into Moss Eisley? Yeah, yeah. So, so you, were, to, you worked on that? Yeah, so I had to – they gave me a ground plane, and I had to make something – I tried to make it so it felt like it had some bounce to it, like a resistance to the air. Um, but, yeah, I had to position the characters on there and kind of refer to the how they'd done it, you know, the – who was sitting where and everything, you know, just to make sure. Right. Because you know, you'll get usual memory. So and that um, big, that big brontosaurus thing that reared up, was that Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, there, uh, it seems like there's a story there. Please, uh, please share. <laughs> I, I, I've, shared, I've said this story too many times on too many podcasts. I can't go through it again. But the short story is that it was a very easy shot. I was waiting to get it approved. It was just a Ronto walking through the square just as it had been in all the other shots, and a speeder. And that was about it. And I thought, easiest shot, banged it out, put it in front of George. I thought, okay, I can forget about that one. That one's done. And he's like, Who? there's nobody leading this, Ronto. And that just started this whole series of it just snowballed, snowballed, and snowballed, snowballed, and more things were added, and bigger and bigger. And it lost what it was supposed to be. It's supposed to be an establishing shot. Like a shot where nothing much happens. You're just saying, this is where the following piece of story takes place. Everyone up, up to up speed? Okay, and go. So they're usually pretty short, but pretty, you know, pretty general. general. Mm -hmm. This is the community where we are, go. And it became this big Cirque du Soleil rubbish thing. I'm like, oh, my. I don't know. I, I fought it and fought it, and I, I don't know. I... Yeah. <laughs> okay. But at least I did. I wasn't involved in anything to do with the Han Solo. So that's another. <laughs> I, I thought that was a vicious rumor when I, because I'd left straight after New Hope. I left and went to Disney. And someone came back from visiting ILM. Peter Paniotis, his name was. He came back from visiting ILM and said, Oh, guess what I've seen and told us all this stuff. And one of the things he said was the Greek uh, uh, hung uh, not shooting first. And I'm like, oh, he, yeah, he's not going to go for that because he tried looking at the detention scene, taking out all the shots of troopers being hit and replacing them with cameras and uh, cameras and uh, alarms being blown up. So he just doubled the amount because you see the same alarms getting blown up a lot yeah. in that, but he just doubled it all up. But you never saw anyone get shot. And he screened it for us. And he said, what do you think? And we were like, uh, uh, that sucks. <laughs> and he's like, yep, you're right. It sucks. Fuck it. I, I, wanted, I just wanted to know. Whoops. I'm sorry. You're okay. That's right. That's hey, what he we're, said. That's what he we're said. Hope, we're hoping anybody's listening. <laughs> if they are, they'll tell us. But we, Mass isn't here tonight. And that's usually his line. So don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, but he, he opted. He said, you're right. It's, uh, I just wanted to see it. I, you've confirmed exactly what, and he rejected it. So I thought the same thing must be true of this 
vicious rumor. And so I didn't, only when I saw the, the premiere, and I went to the premiere uh, with all my um, then Disney friends. So I was at Disney for a year at that point. So we were let, went along to Managed Chinese Theatre and I got to see my shot for the first time there and also that. Highs and lows. Hey, highs and lows. That's all right. That's very cool. <laughs> that's very cool. The D-Doc, Alfie, I know Brent and I have been manipulating a lot of the conversation. Do you guys have other questions that you want to hit Mark with? We can talk about all kinds of topics because we've yeah, got anything. tons from this week, but um, whether it's his background and, and other things he's done besides uh, Boba Fett and New Hope, or just keep digging on that because we all love Bo uh, Boba <laughs> Fett. Go ahead, D-Doc. Uh, just one quick hitter. Like, what what was your feeling when you finally got to see that shot that you had to wait for basically two oh. years or however long to see? Like, I mean, your heart had to be pumping to finally see that, right? Yeah, I, I just wanted a copy of it at that point. <laughs> yeah, you had to wait even longer to to get a copy of it. Uh, yeah, it was just all, all my friends stood up around me. They're like, ah, because we we'd been in the line outside, and there'd been a news guy coming down the line interviewing people that stood there for a long, long time like we had. Mm -hmm. What's it like to be going to the premiere, blah, 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 interviewing people. So all my Disney friends are like, this guy's Boba Fett. This guy. And so he was like, yeah, sure, he's Boba Fett and the crazy people. <laughs> and moved on. And, uh, and so when he came on the screen, they all stood up and it was, it was surreal. It was, it was, um, it was, it was like a dream come true, only it was something I never dreamt because I didn't think it could ever come. There was no director's cuts when I was a kid. There was no remakes. So how could I ever be my favourite character, which was, wasn't even in that movie, right. in, in this movie? So Because there was a period of time when New Hope existed and so did Boba Fett. Do you remember that period? Yeah. It was when the action figure was out, and that's all we oh, yeah. yeah. So for a, moment, for a while... All I had was this, I fell in love with the action figure. That's when I did it. It was like 1979, I fell in love with Boba Fett. And, you know, action figure came out till like this movie coming out next year. I was like, oh, I can't wait. And it's just like my favorite genre, like Spaghetti Western, Clint Eastwood, Naming No Name. But it's in Star Wars. It's like, and at the time, I was very much an artist. And people sort of said I was kind of, um, I wasn't very anti. I was a little bit antisocial, but only because I was like focused on doing my art. That was it. But because I was kind of a, a bit of a loner, I kind of identified with Man with No Name and, and how it's in Star Wars. It's like, loved the armor. I had reminded me of like Knights in Armor or Spartans. Uh, I loved the poncho that was straight out of Man with No Name, you know. Um, I So at that time, I only knew Boba Fett and New Hope. And so I would like fantasize, yes, about you know, mm -hmm. wow, I, if I could be both there. And all, all I had was the backdrop of White Scene, which is New Hope. So all my action figure games were centered around things that happened in New Hope, only that included Boba Fett now. They oh, yeah. probably even played a dock in Bay 94 at one point. Well, I think, uh, I think, uh, so it's you so weird that that came true. You and I are probably the only two old enough to actually remember when the Boba Fett figure came out. Alfie, you were two or so? Yeah, I was like two years old. Yeah, so jealous. I, I'm jealous. I remember, <laughs> I remember when, <laughs> I remember when I'm that a bit, figure. I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> that figure came out. You're exactly right because you're sitting there and you're going, mm -hmm. "Now wait a minute, my life has changed because this movie came out in 1977. 
I want to buy everything that I can of it. I, I want my parents to give me everything. And then they drop Boba Fett and you're looking around going, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what is this? Right. Yeah, and yeah, you're going, yeah. how does this fit? He wasn't in that movie. Right. What no. is this going to bring us in the future? Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it was, it was shocking to think that they were just dropping that boom. Yes. We had the holiday mm -hmm. special, which he was in for a few minutes, yeah, yeah. you know, which I, yeah. I remember that still, I, that stuck with me. But when that figure came out, you're like, whoa, we're going to the next level with this next movie. So yeah, that, that was just so great. And you're right to put that together. Um, very, very cool. And, it, and all the FET fans who said, Hey, he didn't get enough love across empire and, and Jedi that definitely made their day to see him pop up there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was really glad they, they uh, included him. Uh, the only thing is that uh, on the day when, when I did these two, I told you about it two times, I did the four hour, things in the suit and this is up at Skywalker Ranch and when they put the suit together they put the the skull on this side and I said you know it's the wrong side it's <laughs> that side and I said well it's on that side now and I thought I'm not going to argue like because this is this is the first kind of time I really got to have fun in the suit so I didn't want to jeopardize that that's fine mm -hmm. fine forget it don't care don't care let's just do this I want to go and so I just had to uh, play, pretend to be Boba Fett for four hours. It's such a hard ask for me. I <laughs> I really earned my money. I mean, so what? I, I volunteered. There you go. So what? What exactly did you do for four hours? It was what it was. Is uh, they had they had a, a summit for all the license holders at Skywalker Ranch. Invited them all, and they were going to have right. this idea where they thought, "Oh, this is going to be a great idea. We'll get some people to dress up as." And we yeah. got a really tall guy to play Vader, and we get some guys to dress up as stormtroopers. And at one point, once we've shown the re-release special—they weren't—they weren't special editions back then. It was just going to be a re-release, uh, and there was only going to be a, a New Hope special edition. The the day I left ILM, they only ever intended doing New Hope, never any others. Otherwise, I would have stayed probably. <laughs> I wouldn't have left. I wouldn't have left. But um, what they wanted to do is have Stormtroopers come down. Vader comes out. We would like you to join us for cocktails or something, and they're going to have drinks. And when they put out an email saying who wants to be a Stormtrooper, you can imagine how many people I replied. Like everybody at ILM replied, and everyone. So. They said, well, because we've got so many people, volunteers, remember, I did it for free, with volunteers, um, we can make it a much bigger deal. We can actually recreate the cantina bar as the bar for the, mm -hmm. the guests to go to. Mm -hmm. Have people dress up as the aliens, have some uh, dry ice smoke, have the cantina band miming in the corner, have stormtroopers at the door checking IDs, have the, the droids there maybe. Uh, they didn't put people in the droids or that make them move. They're just standing there. But uh, the land speeder was there. Um, and Don Bees, who I had uh, befriended and knew I was like the biggest Boba Fett fan at ILM, he called me up. And I thought he was going to call me up to say, I've got a part as a stormtrooper. And so he said, I'm sorry, you're not going to be a stormtrooper. I'm like, damn it. My heart just like died. <laughs> it just 
I said, I'm even just too short, like Luke or something, you know? That's what it is. I'm only five foot ten, ten and a half. Uh, he goes, uh, well, he goes, I was thinking of maybe another character that you might be interested in. I'm like, oh, don't tease me like that. And he's like, no, no, no. He goes, I can't promise you it because if you don't fit the flight suit, you can't do it. But come over. I went the next day. Come over one lunchtime and try it on. If you fit the flight suit that everything attaches to, you can do it. Otherwise, we'll have to find you another character. So it's like, oh, nervous, nervous going over there and putting that flight suit on. It literally was like my Cinderella slipper moment. There's God rays coming through the ceiling. There's angels singing. And it's like, <laughs> you know, because sometimes you put stuff on, you order stuff and you put it on, it's not right. I was I was dreading that. That's what I was dreading. Like being way too tight and me like trying to full set a zipper up. Like, I yeah. can fit. You, like, incre- like, it's incredible. You would have sold it yeah. anyway. You would have That's sold right. it anyway. You'd have sucked in the gut or whatever, right? No, it reminds me. It reminds me of uh, Chaplin, the movie with Robert Downey Jr. Remember when he he said, "Oh, here's how I got the hat," and made it all mystical and the light shining down. And he was like, "No, okay, that didn't really happen. I just grabbed a hat, put it on, and walked out." Right. So, but yeah, you, I was envisioning that when you were getting. So, no, that's, that's awesome. But I, that was that was the. Uh... That was the best time in the suit because I'm walking around the cantina bar in low light with aliens that are all reacting. It was like better than VR because you could bump into mm. things and react with them if they were real. And there's one part where someone came over. You weren't allowed to talk. They said, don't talk. Just do it like Mickey Mouse in Disneyland. Just kind of be pantomime. I want to do it as you wish. <laughs> I want to say that. <laughs> no, they can't say it. Okay. Just once. No, no, they can't say it. All right. Back in, though, he said, um, can you come over here? I want you to arrest that guy standing over there. And so I was like... So he leads me over to go to the guy. He's the president of Canada Toys or somebody. <laughs> he turns around. Uh, I said... I got his hand up behind his arm, and I escorted him out the bar. As soon as I got to the door, I let him go. And he said, he goes, do you mind if you uh, can come back and uh, stand at the table for a minute? All right, all right. So I, I went over. To, so the guys came over. He goes, we've had, we always had trouble with the antenna, the uh, rangefinder, you know, because they, they end up adding it just as a piece molded onto the helmet, didn't they? The rangefinder on the original FET figure. Gotcha. He goes, we messed it up. We didn't know about this rangefinder till to the last minute. Could you come over? We want to take some notes. So I had to stand there it with, with the, the gun and everything, and they got their cigarettes packets, and they chucked out the cigarettes, and they ripped them open, and they were like, like drawing and stuff like that, and, and drawing stuff, and they going on outside, and, making sketches and stuff like that. And that was the power of the false figure that came out. I must, nice. be, going like, I must be going like this. <laughs> obviously, obviously, I was thinking <laughs> it's just, just that too far. You, you, were, you were roiding it up for that event. I right was there. roiding it up way too much. You know. Even stupid, I was roiding it up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> the, Believe me, I, I bought all those for my son because he was old enough to get those toys when, when they came out. 
And I remember looking at that going, wow, quite a bit of difference there. They, they were all in HGH or something. Alfie, <laughs> Fett, Fett is your favorite character. I, I need to hear some more in-depth responses and questions from you. Well, not so much about Boba Fett, but I'd like to know, working on the special edition so much, was there a shot that you saw in the film that just really blew your mind? Maybe opened up like where the whole... Uh, advancements in visual effects where where it could go you know what could be possible next a, a, a shot in which movie the a new hope special edition oh when I, when I was working on it or when you saw the not only working on it but when you saw it in the theater for the first time oh I mean the, the, the thing that I, I told you that you know I was waiting until January of 97 to see it and so, like I said, it was the first time I saw myself on the screen. It was the first time I saw someone had messed up one of my scenes and done the thumping robot. When did that happen? Like, that happened after I left. Saw that for the first time. Um, saw the Greedo thing for the first time. But the one that I didn't ever expect to see was the new uh, Sandcrawler. And for me, that was like, oh, mm. my God. That was like, I always loved the Sandcrawler. And I don't know why. It moves slow, but... There's something about this lumbering, rusting hulk that I've loved ever since a kid. I've loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah, so I love that shot of so the shot, And I'm so glad they did it practically as well. I thank you because I, I was always like, you know, when it comes to CG, I love mixing CG with the, the live action plate like we were doing on New Hope. But I wasn't too, too big a fan of, on the complete CG drop in all practical and um i was pretty disappointed the overuse of it in the prequels but i i'm happy they did because they saw the disadvantage of taking it that far they learned their lesson the hard way and it just took a prequel to learn that lesson which is a shame but um I don't know. I think the one that blew me away, I'd have to say the same cooler. And I was like, oh, my God, this, this is the future. This is kind of like the direction I'm taking it, CG, isn't the way. It, 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 this is the way. Uh, <laughs> it is this uh, kind of combo of the two. There should be a mix. It should be purely CG. It should be practical where practical is needed and CG where CG is needed and even a blend of the two, practical in front of CG. Yuffie, you reminded me with that one. Wasn't it Jedi when they were out on the skiff when they added all the banthas out on the desert? Yeah. To where yeah. even that scene, even though it was the CG side of it, there was something about taking it to where it's just instead of being that flat desert with nothing going on and being able to add that in there to, to put some contrast in. You're right. Some of, those, some of those shots across the special edition, while we joke about some of them, there were some that were like wow this really enhanced the movie go the ahead Brent. stormtrooper oh, go ahead. in the uh special edition for the time the one on the dewback oh seeing it on the oh yeah the big screen the first time i thought my you know, my, my favorite just hadn't seen anything like that before but yeah. my favorite but the piece of animation i was most proud of was the the stormtrooper dismounting the dewback it was in a shot there was an over the shoulder on 3po and r2 looking at the cantina and uh i said to george i said do you mind if i you know have the do back uh sniff the 
backpack of the guy that's in the plate. You know, just to have him interact with something in the plate, it might marry the CG mm-hmm. to the plate a bit better than just having it stand there, you know, doing this or something. He's like, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. Let's see it. And uh, I thought, well, while he's doing that, uh, I'll make the other guy dismount. And so I got uh, the producer, Tom Kennedy, to walk up on a stepladder and I videoed him jumping off halfway and I just changed the pose from being him on stepladder to him straddling the knee and the elbow of the do-back and then land in the same place. But I was really pleased the, the way that it turned out. I think it helped shooting that reference and having that as a, something to, as a guide. Um, but George, when I sh- we showed it to him, he thought it was motion capture. And so for me, that was the hugest compliment. That's that's yeah. why I'm nice. There's two things I'm the most proud of, and that was one of them. That was like the big one that George really responded to. And um, yeah, that, 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 you, that, you can't ha- have a better compliment <laughs> than George Lucas thinking that your animation is real. Yep. Was, Go ahead, Brent. Well, that kind of leads into the question that I wanted to ask is outside of Star Wars, the other stuff that you've done what is one shot or what is one like this was awesome and you okay. feel proud of it and it looked okay. great. Like you said, there are two things you're proud of. So yeah. what's that other I one? Would, so the other one is I worked on uh, Mickey's Philhar Magic, which is a 3D sort yeah. of mm-hmm. Mickey thing. And they wanted me to do the tornado at the end. So I went, okay, there's the finale. It's like there's a nice chunk to be given, you know, to finish. And um, in it, I had... I really studied. I said, I'll do it, but I I want three days to be able to pull my reference and study Mickey and Donald running and doing all the actions. I want it to, I don't want to make it up. I want it to come from the classics. I want, I want to do my homework. And they gave me three days. I was really generous. And and so when I did the Mickey animation, uh, he runs in, skids to a hole, and big take, and you know, it's all in silhouette because it's inside of the maelstrom. But uh, Roy Disney Jr. Uh, came up and he said that up until he saw my animation, he said that the Mickey animation had felt more like a toy come to life rather than Mickey. And he goes, this is Mickey in 3D. And I'm like, oh! <laughs> I, I, I just, I, it's like... I didn't need, I, you know, some people really want Oscars. This is enough for me. It just, it, it's that. This was like, I uh, wish, wish someone had filmed that. It's before we had videos and cameras. <laughs> uh, hey. On phones, sorry, cameras on films, uh, phones. But, you know, I, that, that, I, that, that, that I, I'm really proud of. See, I, I'm really proud of that, that we actually have four or five people here who've, um, We've talked about Star Wars over a hundred times on air. That's you know, there's there's a lot of people who are giving us congratulations. George George is going to reach out soon, right? On <laughs> how well we've done on the podcast. I mean, yeah. Congratulations, guys. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we we haven't worn the suit. We haven't been in the movie. We haven't we haven't done anything and been compliment on Mickey Mouse and on Star Wars. We we probably need to work on that. So. Um, we oh, can I show you one other thing? Yeah. Only because I, I, the, 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 the biggest benefit that I never foresaw was doing all these conventions and making friends with my heroes, which are the guys, you know? I feel like I feel like I am an intruder when I'm with these guys. I feel like I'm the outsider, but 
they're so they're just like you know they're sending me emails and messages all day Love, lovely lovely people i never foresaw that but i was in mexico city and i was sitting next to a guy i didn't know him chat 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 we had chat 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 all night uh had this meal after this was after a convention and we ended up walking back to the hotel which is like a 30-minute struggle through a monsoon. And so we went through this, we ran the gauntlet together and we drowned rats by the time we got to the Holiday Inn. And uh, so I went to the next day and it turns out he was Kim Simmons. And Kim Simmons is the guy that did all the photographs for all the box covers, you know, all the all the stuff, on the, the blisters on the back. It's not oh, really? All the, all the, all the package... There's all the photographs for packaging. He, he, uh, photographs. he has a book called The Man Who Shot... Oh, have I got it? The Man Who Shot Luke Skywalker. This guy. He did all of these. Oh, books. nice. You know, you know his pictures. Yes. Uh, you, you know them. You, you poured through these right. brochures and pamphlets. And he shows all the ones that he tried that were rejected. Great book. It's, it's called the man, the man Who Shot Luke Skywalker? The Man Who Shot Luke Skywalker, Kim Simmons. Anyway, he, uh, because we'd kind of done this, run this gauntlet together, we had this kind of uh, bond. <laughs> and he said, uh, he goes, when I get back to, when I get back home, I'm going to send you uh, a Boba Fett, a proper Boba Fett. Uh, I'm going to send it. So he sent me this. This is, this is it. Can get it with that reflection. Oh no, it's uh, great. But I said to him, I said, Kim, I said, I've I've poured over all of your photographs. I, I looking at the book, apart from the, the ones you rejected, I know all the ones you picked. Uh, I don't recognize this one. He goes, No, I did this one just for you. Wow. So Kim Simmons, Kim Simmons sent it to me. I well, I love that book. It's it's kind of like a coffee table kind of style book, right? Yeah. Oh, it's it's the best. I've got the. I've got, he gave me, I bought this one and he gave me the second one free. This is the first one. But the first one has all the stuff about Bobo in the back of it. Oh, man. And friends with uh, Jim Swiringen, if you know Jim Swiringen, yeah. he's a really good friend of mine as well. So it has all of you know his mock-ups that he did. Um, it goes into the ones that didn't make it. Was it? Great, so great, Jim great book. Jim was in that story, The Toys Who Made Us, right? On, on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, because that's I, I, I saw that just before I went to this con. That's the, that was the con. It was 2018, I believe. 2018, summer of. And, um, yeah, and, and I met those guys, and we've been friends ever since. But I never, could, I never would have foreseen... I never would have foreseen that. And that's one of the best things about doing... Uh, these cons is is having the, you know, Daniel yeah. Logan calling me up on FaceTime. Daniel Logan loves FaceTime. <laughs> I love you, brother. If you're watching or listening, well, we 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 will tag him on it and let him know he's got a shout because Alfie here he seems to have the magic touch. You know, just as goofy fans, Alfie seems to post the right things, and Daniel Logan always seems to comment. So uh, we, we love Daniel good. Logan. He is yeah. on his social media. He's got, got it down to an art form. He's always telling me what I do wrong. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you I'm what. I'm a slow learner. I'll I tell you <laughs> what. We, we have bombarded you with a ton of questions. I know as we get going through these other things, 
uh we'll we'll hit you up with some more but why don't we why don't we um we'll take a quick turn here and we'll we'll uh we'll still we'll still be very related to you because a lot mm-hmm. of things have to do with boba fett but I, i'm just going to throw out there some things that you know since last week well actually in the last 24 hours have just bombarded us with uh with news that i know we all want to talk about um the first one um you know not major really big news but i thought it was a really cool story that um uh, Giancarlo Esposito, when asked at a local at a convention recently, who was his favorite co-star to work with at, in The Mandalorian? And uh, he threw out there uh, Gina Carano. And, you know, I think he approached it the right way. And he said, whatever her politics are, let's throw that yeah. out. Whatever. Yeah. Um, she was great to work with, a great person, super sweet, super nice, hard worker. and Perfect for the role. Exactly. And and I think um, for me anyway, that's the way I, I pretty much approach everybody. Uh, we, we joke. Brent and I, w- there's 20 things we're exactly aligned on. There's 20 things we are the exact polar opposite on. But instead of fighting and saying, well, you like that and I like this or whatever, we joke about those things. And then we concentrate our, our conversations on the things we're similar in. And yeah, yeah. I love that Giancarlo just said, hey, that doesn't that stuff doesn't bother me. Every day I was on the set with her, it was great yeah. to work with her. And I your guys, any thoughts besides that? I mean, I thought it was a very well done thing. And and you know, like, yeah, I crossed my fingers and hope someday she'll be back. I know she won't, but um man, I just thought it was really cool for him to say that. Any any thoughts, Sprint, D Doc, Alfie, Mark? I wish more people had that way of looking at it. I agree. Yeah, that I I feel that Disney they this I said this to them when I worked for them, but they worry too much. <laughs> but, no, they do. They they do because I remember we had to watch The Incredibles with the sound down and we, and pick apart why it was successful and at the time more successful than Disney movies. What are they doing? We are not. And I was like, well, one of the big Disney rules is no gunplay. No smoking. It starts with gunplay Incredibles. It's great. They chase a big car mm-hmm. chase and he has to save the cat, but there's cops and robbers. Edna Mode with the cigarette holder. It's like, why are we here? I, like, I understand you don't want to offend anybody. And nobody hates water, but who loves water? I mean, who loves drinking water? I mean, <laughs> nobody hates it. Everyone drinks it, but nobody, nobody says, you know what? Just give me, just give me, if I had a million dollars, I'd just get the best glass of water. <laughs> now, who, who would say that? Nobody. So I don't understand. Also, I kept saying to them, you know, why are we making movies about human characters using humans? Why don't we go the Robin Hood route and tell Robin Hood with animals that fit the descriptions? And then, ah, no, we don't want to do that. And they went for years, they did Pocahontas, Hunchback, uh, Tarzan. They did all these uh, human movies, and it only to Zootopia or the Zootropolis wow. or the, from whichever side of the Atlantic you're on. I love, I love. They, they made movie, made money again. It's like <laughs> you see, I don't. It, it's it's hard. Disney are hard to convince. They worry too much. Agreed. I, so I agree. Disney, but you worry too much. Go ahead, D Doc. 
Yeah, I, I was just kind of excited to hear that just because it's good for me. It's just like refreshing to hear that you can still be friends with someone, even if you might disagree about things like that. And I remember when I uh, recently, I, I never really watched much of the behind the scenes Mandalorian. And after I watched the one uh, Luke Skywalker episode, I went back and started watching some more behind the scenes stuff. And this was a decent amount of time after Gina was uh, kicked off the show. And I saw a lot of behind the scenes stuff with her and I'm like, man, it looks like she has such a great relationship with the cast. I remember I was like, I wish someone from the cast would come out because I know that, you know, just seeing her relationship with like Carl Weathers and like the different directors and everything. I'm like, someone just come out and just be like, Mm -hmm. I got her back. She's a good person. We might disagree about X, Y, and Z, but she's my friend, you know? And it it was, it was just good to hear something like that finally you know agreed agreed um yeah no it's it's tough it's tough to um because it's hard because you know anything they write people are going to believe whether it happened or not i mean they they said i threw a tantrum about slave one renaming and and it was hardly a tantrum it was more a depressed sad acknowledgement that it was going to happen just because it was news it never go away. It's forever going to have that stain on it. And but they blew it up that they said, "Oh, it's like an outrage." I think it was the word they used. Like I, I was thro- throwing tables over in my living room or something. <laughs> it's like, I, come on! But they wrote it, so it, it must have happened. I just can't remember. I guess. Yeah. No. I that that was a big thing, and I know you had plenty of comments when when those those kind of things happened with the the slave one. I mean, because of what they've written, because they were right what is going to sell or get you know people's backs up so they're obviously going to exaggerate what they want to and so you know no i don't got you. our society I, doesn't even... i was gonna say whoever they pick on it, it's that damage it doesn't matter who, who stands up for you that it's like right a bomb going off it's, and even if they don't stand up for you our society is so quick just to read the headline and react to yep. the headline that's so they won't, even, they that won't even they won't even read the atom bomb. Yeah. That, 100%. The, atom bomb. Yeah. the head the headline it means something. It may be a completely different in the meat of the article. It may be read differently, but the right. article will the clickbait to get you to read it is what people will then react upon and not even take the time to dive into what it means. Yeah. So yeah, like actors are actors. Some people are despicable people, but sometimes they can they can put in characters that you you want to yeah. watch over and over again. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, one of the, one of the things I take into all my movies, all my music is if I'm worried about what any musician or actor or director's political, religious, or sexual views are, I'm not paying attention to what I'm supposed to be paying attention to. I want to know what happens on the screen. I want to hear the music go into my ears. If they want to go and do some really weird stuff outside of that on their own, <laughs> that's their thing to do. Just like I don't want them saying, hey, I know you listen to my music, but guess what? You don't have the same beliefs that I do, so stop listening to my music. I, I, don't, I don't think we're at a point that we want that to happen, right? So just enjoy it for what it's worth and, and just take it in and say, I live my life, you live yours. Here's what's in the screen in front of me. So um not to take us down that long haul there but the, the, the other thing that another thing before the big news that came up was and joey sent it to me and then we started bouncing it around uh new star wars animated series 
before Solo, focusing on Crimson Dawn and Darth Maul, um, with the possibilities of Sam Witwer, Paul Bettany, Dee Bradley Baker, and Matt Lanter being back involved with a show like that. Does that excite any of you? Do any of you want to see that? If they're not possibly going to make a solo two, does any of this mean anything with the underworld, everything like that? Somebody raise your hand. Tell me you want to talk about it. Alfie, go right ahead. Of course we want to see this. Any more mall is just, you know, icing on the cake. We can't get enough of that guy. And from what I'm reading, I think this is pretty far along. Really? Yeah, um, I've read a couple different articles and pieced together with stuff that I'd read in the past. I think they were kind of stringing along the hopes that this would be live action, but I think live action mall is kind of dead for a while. Ray Park, is that what yeah. we're talking about? Okay, yeah. Um, so I remember I brought it up to you guys in a show a long time ago where I was talking about Matt Lanter, who was on that great show on Netflix, which I really enjoyed, Jupiter's Legacy. <laughs> Nobody else did because it's gone. Um, but he said, Anakin's never going to go away. I'm working on some things right now. And then er, the brakes came out. And I said, don't, don't talk about that anymore. Could we be seeing a Matt Lanter playing a Vader during this time frame? Or are we looking at flashbacks back to Anakin involved with the the Crimson Dawn. That's just throwing it out there. Mark, you had a comment you were going to make about this new animated series. Oh, I, I was just going to say that I consider Darth Maul the Boba Fett of the prequels. You know, introduce a great character and then, whoop, pulling the rug from under you, I think. <laughs> but I always equated those two together. That, that's what I was going to say about Darth Maul. Whoop, we have a cat that entered the chat. Hi, cat. And... and <laughs> On the subject before, I was going to just say, if everyone in the whole world was of the same opinion, how boring would the world be? <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, if everyone, if everyone did have the same opinion, which is kind of like, well, that's, you know, everyone, everyone that's enforcing theirs obviously has that as a mindset. Mm -hmm. How boring, how boring would the world be? It'd be incredibly mind-numbingly boring. Anyway, that's yeah, I would, I agree. Dave, anything <laughs> uh, on on the animated series or Brent? I would love a live action Maul. I'll tell you that <laughs> anything live action with Maul, man, I, I would be jacked about it. I mean, I remember when I saw the end of the solo movie and he came in that really did just like that took the movie up a couple notches. Cause I'm just like, man, are we going to see live action Maul again? At that point I hadn't watched Clone Wars either. So I, I didn't know that that technically was, I guess, post Clone Wars Maul. Correct. Yep. Yep. So yeah, yeah it, it, just, like Mark said, I mean, that that's perfect. Uh, Darth Maul is the Boba Fett of the prequel trilogy. He really is. I mean, he, he, he's in it, he's in it for a short amount of time, but he just was a polarizing character. I mean, my yeah. little guy said he wants, uh, he had his little, uh, you know, toy magazine and that came in and he's looking through it, you know, where you put the stickers on it for Christmas and he saw Darth Maul's lightsaber. He doesn't even know Star Wars that well, but he's like, that's Darth Maul's lightsaber. He's like, I want that from Santa. I'm like, <laughs> all right. You know, I think, you know, I, think cool. uh, I think you're right on the Darth Maul thing. I also think we all agree that Mass is probably the only one who will be against this series because he <laughs> is an anti-Darth Maul person after he got cut in half. Go ahead, Brent. Um, so... The I think I am 
also on the opposite side of you guys. The prequel era is not <laughs> something that has ever really grabbed me. Like it is not something um, to go on the news from last week. Um, I do not think Mr. Christensen was such a fantastic actor. Um, it never really like watching him never really brought me into it. I never really believed he was a character. For me, it was like watching somebody trying to act and it wasn't watching a character. So I, so the prequel era, while I will probably watch it, has never been something that has a passion of mine. But I know I am of the minority on this, 100%. And that's people thinking differently, Brent. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I think the prequels, I, I agree with you. I, I was envisioning a young Vader to be much more like the Omen, the kid in the Omen, like very, very dark. You know, dark features, dark hair. He doesn't do that much, the kid in the omen, but you scared, you know, it scares the bejesus out of you. Just just his just his stoic face. It just scares the bejesus out of you. I thought I was hoping that he would cast somebody in more of that kind of line. Um but I was of the same mindset. When I when I when I finished the prequels, I, I had it in my mind, maybe I was worried. Maybe I'm one of these guys that is never going to love anything other than the original trilogy. And I, I really was sad that I was that closed off. And it wasn't until uh, Rogue One, Solo Movie, and Mandalorian that that changed. And I'm so glad that they pulled me out of this worry because it's, I don't know, I, I, was, I was concerned. I, I, was, I wanted so much to mm-hmm. love Phantom Menace. And I, I will go back another thing. So again, Hayden, for whatever reason, to me, I'm just watching a man try to act and it looks like he's taking acting classes while he's on screen. I also think it's the gratuitous use of CGI and it yeah. wasn't yeah. really blended well. Yeah. And it was an overuse of the CGI and it was overly cartoony. And not to say I'll go to bed watching the, the prequel movies. They're just not some, they're just not a timeline that has ever really wrapped my heart. Like, so if you go to the rebels and the building of the rebels and the rebellion and that early rebellion to get into rogue one. So that's why I'm super pumped for Andor because I think from where that's at, that is a, that is a timeframe that is in my mind, really interesting. And I know that I, again, like I'm not in that same world. I'll watch it because it's star Wars. Right. And I, and there'll be good things and there'll be bad things, but that is the timeline where I'm most interested in and prequels. And so, yeah, I'll watch this series, but you have, did you say Mace Windu as well? You have not only, no, 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 no. You get Sam Witwer, Sam Witwer, who would play Maul. Okay. Paul Bettany, who would play Dryden Voss. D. Bradley Baker, no idea. Playing Uh, clones. Clones. And uh, Matt Lanter, who of course was Anakin. Anakin. Um, so, so could be. Anything. I thought. Yeah. I thought I saw something connected to that that also had base. So I was going to say, yeah. not only would Mass have a problem with with <laughs> Maul, he would also have a problem with Mace. Two people that fell a thousand feet and have yet to die. There you so. go. Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say uh, I was, but the biggest disappointment in the uh, the sequels. I wish they hadn't changed the stormtrooper. We had that evolution of the stormtrooper into the trooper, and it was a trooper kind of like from that point onwards. And I, I wouldn't have minded if they carried that through or 
you know, because they did pull through the TIE fighters and stuff like that, stuff you could relate to. I, that was one of the biggest disappointments. And again, I I found it really hard to uh, embrace the sequels uh, as much as I can, like The Mandalorian. I find it much easier right. to like say, yes, solo movie, give me, yep. I'd love a solo too. I I loved how Howard cut that movie together. He really kind of had lengthy 70s long shots and he'd like blend really cleverly from one sequence to another because she would be talking in one location about going to Lando's place and end the same line walking into Lando's place. So it bridged the gap elegantly, just so elegantly. Ron Howard, love him as a director. So I I I really respect what he did trying to, take it back to that 70s cutting. I, I like that you see it that way, because it, for me, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you a 70s cut-in from a 90s cut-in or whatever, oh. but, <laughs> but, I, but I tell you what, it felt like, honestly, there was a lot of Solo that felt a lot like Star Wars to me, that it just didn't get the, it got a bum rap yeah. on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So um, so let, let's just hit the, the biggest news item of the, of the day. Um, the Book of Boba Fett trailer, um, you know, secondary, you can add on there that Jennifer Beals is playing a very attractive uh, or Twi'lek in, in that movie or in that show. But that's just a side note to all this fun stuff. I mean, mm. I, I mean, it starts off, guys. And, and you know, we can go through. I, I wrote down notes a little bit here, but starts off with the the Beaumark monk. Is that how you say it? Is that the proper way? The Beaumark spider walking across the desert going to Jabba's palace. Mm. I mean, that right there, I was like, oh, yes. Like, here we go. Return of the Jedi feel. But, I mean, just... Oh, and, and the next scene is Lucasfilm in the coloring in the backdrop with the Boba Fett coloring yeah, across yeah. Lucasfilm. Yeah. So, what were you guys thoughts? I mean, I thought there were some really good things. I mean, let's face it, we've got a month and a half, or, you know, a little over a month and a half to uh, to get ready for this. Was everybody else as, as stoked as I was and hit on any key points you want? Brent, you get your hand up. Okay, there. so here's the deal. Uh, here I know we I'm go. Kind of, I'm, it's I know visual. I'm, it's visual. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, but is it? Where did they come from? And how did you know that that was a monk carrying a, a brain in the juice? Because he was on screen for about five seconds in Return of the Jedi. How did you know? Because somebody else told me. Because <laughs> I had never heard of it. I had no idea what it was. I saw somebody make a comment about a Beaumark monk, so I went and looked it up. It's been in print for like 30 years. Oh, it's been in print. It's been in print, Joe. It's been in (laughs) print. It's not my fault. You saw it. it. (laughs) I hadn't, like, so when I was a kid, right? So when I went and looked, then they showed the picture of, like, 3PO, and then they showed the the spider walk behind him. Legit, it's not, I don't even think it's five seconds. Mm -hmm. It's It's probably probably on screen for about, like, two seconds. Yeah. So I didn't, like, how, other than the book of Alfie, how did you guys know that? (laughs) The book, the Tales of the Bounty Hunters, I think, or is it Tales of Jabba's Palace? It's also One in the Return of the, of the Jedi. Palace, I think, yeah. it's, it's also in the Return of the Jedi. There's a whole story oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. Come on, Brent. Come on, man. I was actually <laughs> hoping because it, it was called the Book of Boba Fett. I just added in the book of. For me, I was not to sound disappointed, but I was a bit. I was hoping it'd be a a, a collection of the stories of all the things he did throughout his career that made him the badass he is 
today. And I was hoping there'd be a lot of flashbacks to where he interacted on first met uh, Bosk or where they worked together for the first time or how he got that den in a, uh, from Cad Bane or how he you know, scuffed up some iconic scuffs on his armour. So when I saw the trailer, I was a tiny bit disappointed. But do, it do was you is carrying it forward, and I'm like, I wanted to know. Do you don't you don't I, think there'll be any flashbacks in there at all? I hope so. I hope there is. I mean, I would if they, if they're not going to do it, I say Disney, don't do it. I'll direct those. I'll do those for you. <laughs> I'll come up with the stories. There you go. Yeah. I think I'll, we're going there. I, I think so too. Alfie or, or Dak, <laughs> any first initial thoughts from it? Go ahead, Alfie. Hit it, man. You know, this is only a minute of probably the first two episodes, maybe three. Yeah. If the you know he follows the formula he's used with the Mandalorian trailers, but I really dug it. I you know I next to Star Wars, mafia movies are my favorite genre, and this was given some serious godfather vibes mm, you know mm-hmm. in yeah, yeah. my other star wars chats you know guys were all upset oh we're getting nice boba or oh, we don't want nice boba you know like well yeah don corleone seemed nice too until you woke up <laughs> with a horse's head in your bed you know in that last line of the trailer you know speak freely you know, if that's not a open-ended loaded you know <laughs> suggestion to your soon-to-be enemies yeah, i don't know yeah. what is yeah. I want to know if I want to know if he said that before or after Phoenix said if you spoke like that to Jabba, he'll be he would feed you to his menagerie. I want to know if he said speak freely. After after. Yeah, right if after. he says that after, like that'd be yeah. okay. Yeah. Who wants she to put- wear a target on their back? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll feed you to the menagerie, but speak freely. Yeah. So go ahead and speak freely. Um, so I saw a lot of people talking about Pedro Pascal talking in this. Was that was he in some of the voiceover parts of this? I I'm not as tu- attuned in the ear. It kind of sounds like him. That that's what I was wondering when it had uh, that one character sitting at uh, the seat that he was walking up to. It, it sounded like his voice. Uh, what, what did he say? Did did he say like you sit on your uh, old boss's chair or something like that? Yeah, it really did sound like his voice. So. Uh, I'm I'm excited for Fennec. Uh, this seems like it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be a big evolution of her character too. You know, like uh, I think the two of them are freaking awesome together, honestly. Like the two of them just look like such a great duo and yeah, I don't know. I'm jacked about it. Like Alfie said, I think they gave us a snippet of maybe like the first two episodes and I'm very curious to see where this show leads and how it, how it folds into this bigger story that they're trying to build. I think. Where where did this Athens of Tatooine come from? Well, it's a big planet. The big cityscape? I don't know. I don't know what city it is. I mean, I've been led to believe that it's just a bunch of dust heaps with uh, Tusken Raider villages and a few settlements throughout. And the well, just in the Mandalorian show, they said there was five major settlements. This is so they true. Were, like they said there's only two that are like Mos Espa and Mos and then the third one where he went to go get eaten by the crate dragon. It was a different knows. Maybe they're not on Tatooine. This is true. That's true. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Well, yeah. Cause somebody was saying it gave him Jetta vibes, but I mean, I didn't feel like Jetta vibes on that one. Just because of sitting in that crater kind of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
but it, it was gorgeous. I will say that it, it looked like great. Crates of shop. Yes, I mean it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I love the line uh, where he said, "Java ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect." So again, Alfred, can those can those mean the same thing? I'll make you respect me through fear. I, I mean, it, you it, earn respect. <laughs> Okay, uh, I but mean, I understand you can that, earn your, the respect, respect through, through fear, <laughs> right? I, like, I do think I do think it does fall right in the guy. The political slash, way of saying it. Yeah, yeah. right. Right. This was the scene. This whole trailer was the scene from The Godfather One, where they have the meeting with the five <laughs> families, and they're all hugging, and you know, we're making peace. And as soon as they get back in the car, he says. I got to kill this guy. This is the guy that betrayed me. This third guy, you know, yeah, we can work with him. Get on it. I see that from that, uh, the dinner table scene too, because he's talking all nice and they're talking and they all start looking at each other. Like, uh, do you want to say like, there's a, there's some worry on the, the captain's faces. I can, at least that's what I picked up from them when they were looking back and forth. The other, the other thing, uh, Mark, when you were talking about the, um, the things you want to see, one of the things that I think everybody wants to see now that we've seen him in Mando series, and now that everybody has that vision in their head that he went to the Sarlacc pit, he got out somehow, he lived with the Tuscan Raiders or pretended to be a Tuscan Raider, to see those four, four or five Tuscan Raiders walking across the sand, I mean, does that almost lead up to the fact that you're going to see a Boba Fett hand coming out of the Sarlacc and pulling himself out. And there they are. And, and he, you know, obviously we know he communicates with them, right. Or Mando does. So I'm assuming Boba does as well, but did, did it give you any inclination that that's leading to that? That that's the first thing that popped into my head when I saw the Tuscan Raiders. I wouldn't say it popped into my head, but when I watch it next time, I, I'm going to see if it does, but um, I did write uh when I was at ILM, I started writing a, a, a book of Boba Fett's exploits of escaping from the Sarlacc, and I think they have the first four or five chapters on the Boba Fett fan club website for people to read. But, um, but really? I was worried. Uh, yeah, I, I was. I was kind of like worried of uh, watching Mandalorian to see what I'd have to change because. Uh, if I have to make it fit in with everything that they've done, right. there's a couple of details I've got to change. But um, yeah, I've always been fascinated in because that's one of the two most asked questions at cons is how cool was it to be Boba Fett? Was the first one. And did you escape the side? <laughs> um, and for years and years, I said, yes, well, I'm here, I'm right at the con. You know, that's my big joke. But now I can actually say, you know, ever since the Mandalorian came out, I can say <laughs> yes. You know. Right. Right, but uh, when I watch it next time, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. See if that okay. springs to mind. But it didn't. It didn't. Did Brent? I was going to say for anybody, think of other things you saw in this or made you think of Brent. Go ahead. All right. So, real quick, and this is for the book of Alfie, right? So, Mark, he seems to be like our our knowledgeable expert on things. What were the uh, retractable shield guys? Who were they connected to? Like, what group were they connected to? And then there's the other one where they look like they were in a room surrounded by cycler weapons with a couple of humanoid, very human-looking guys shooting back, almost wearing the same type of clothes as the same clothes of the people pulling out the riot shields. Go, Alfie. 
Well, I don't know exactly who they are, but oh, okay. the I didn't know if they were Shields, was... I instantly thought of I think it was the Princess Leia book where they had the personal shields like that. The guy who was trying to marry her. No, this is blood? the EU book. Uh, oh, the Courtship okay. of Princess Courtship Leia, I think. Princess Leia by Dave Wolverton. Yeah. The prince that <laughs> yeah. she was with, he had a shield like that. The Gungans did too, man. Gungans ah, had Gungans shields. Yeah, Gungans, yeah, they had but the... that. That wasn't a Gungan shield. The Gungan shields were blue. I know. This was a red. This was those a red ones are a lot core. <laughs> <laughs> they were, and I. And the only reason why I asked you is because I didn't know if there was a specific reference to something from the EU that I wasn't aware of. But I, I'm not that I could think of in the, you know, in the past day or so. Yeah. Or if they were like Shadow Collective, or if they were Pike Syndicate, or if they were that color of clothing, that color of shield connected them to some organization, which. I believe will come from that, right? I I, I have a feeling because it looked like they were wearing uniforms. It could have been just the cops of the area that they were at. Very true. Could be security, right? I mean, riot gear. Could be any of that. Were there any other parts for any of you guys that stood out where you said, this makes me want to watch it. This makes them even more interesting. I don't know what that was. What, you know, what the heck's going on there? Obviously, the internet did start going a little crazy when Jennifer Beals, again, they got brought up that she was going to be playing that. That I say Twi'lek. I know it could be Twi'lek, Twi'lek. <laughs> I say Twi'lek. I don't know why. But somebody even put the Flashdance music together with the word Twi'lek in it. I love that. It was on Twitter somewhere. <laughs> so she's a Twi'lek, Twi'lek. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> any other spots that made you guys go, wow, this looks like I want it to look, or I don't know where this is going. Anything? Go ahead, Alfie. I think for me, this little snippet of the plot really got me wanting to see it because you know how my mind works. We talk about this stuff all the time. If you're showing me talk, him talking to other crime bosses, there's, there's a bigger fish here that he's trying to draw out. Is it Bosk? Is it Cad Bane? You know, I'm going to take out these little guys or make a, either knock them all out or make an alliance. And that's going to bring out, you know, the big fish that I want my revenge against. Okay. And I know Brent is not a big fan of speculation, but this does seem like the perfect series to sprinkle in some more EU characters like a Talon card or even Canon characters like Hondo, uh, we could, could we ever possibly see, you know, the, the shipping city of Batu appear in, you know, live action. Mm. Okay. I, hey, look, I mean, Disney's throwing a lot of money into Batu. It'd be really good to see it start connecting in visually. I know there's books about it and there's comics about it, but what a great time. I mean, it's part of the sequel trilogy era kind of setup, right? So what a good time to kind of merge that in with these things that are happening after Return of the Jedi. Go ahead, Brent. So my pop my problem with speculation is it begins to build hype that may or may. And no, so I, th this is why I say that is because I, I think we're going to, I feel like from the reaction that I've seen, which it's mixed, I believe that there's a lot of really strong Boba people that were like Mark and wanted to see more evidence of the flashback stuff. And I think that like if we we need to temper our enthusiasm in a way, 
And that's why the speculation starts to build, 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 build. And then you don't necessarily get what you, what you were expecting or what you were getting to. And then that creates the backlash, which isn't necessarily needed because it could be a very good series. It just wasn't the series that you were expecting. And that's my problem with it is because I think people build, 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 and then they get let down. So I want to stay even keel. And I think this also comes from my, my view of the visions trailers. I got a view of the visions anime trailers that there was going to be a lot more action and they were a lot slower and more story driven than what I expected. So it was a little bit harder for me to get into them because I was expecting to be a lot more hardcore action type things. Um, so that's where I'm at with it. Like I liked it for sure. Like mm -hmm. it looks like it's going in the strange and I would love to see them. I can see Honda working in perfectly in this situation. Um, I could see, I'd like to see them bring in the EU cause you know that they drop nuggets in that's Filoni and Favreau's their, their MO is here's, we're going to make it feel relevant and we're going to start dropping in a story or two here. So I wouldn't be surprised to see something from shadow collective or what is it? Zizor. Because I'm that Prince Zizor. He's yeah. dead. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm of the same thinking, and, and I was the same way with the Mandalorian series. I, I I've only watched the trailer I think twice, and I don't think I want to watch it anymore. Because exactly what you said, I I if I ever I, uh, have a, too much of an idea going in, that usually discredits what I'm looking at, just because it's different. It doesn't. It could be better, sure. But because it's different, it already already has a mark against it, and I'm I'm of the same opinion. So I, I really don't watch all the scrutiny YouTube's where they're picking apart Easter eggs. I'd rather see it, yeah, you know, virgin. And and as, you know as that's, virgin as you can. that that's one of the reasons why like I don't try to make us do a a frame by frame on on our show. We've never like really done even during the movies. So far, we haven't done a. Hey, we're going to watch a movie together and <clears throat> nitpick it the whole way through. I'd much rather watch it and come back and say, what did I like? What did I didn't like all that same thing with these, these, uh, trailers, let's talk about them. You know, what did you think? But I think if we do them frame by frame, then we fall into that, the, the, the more nitpicking instead of the, Hey, I really like this or, Hey, that's got me excited or whatever. So go ahead, Mark. But that's, but that's, uh, the, 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 People are very, you know, verbal about overuse of CG, you know, and yeah, we know that we, we agree, you know, <laughs> some people can't let it go. They just have to talk about it over and over again. And then the same people that are complaining about the guy that's wearing jeans in the background play of the Mandalorian. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like which side do you want? You want, you want practical or you're going to get some mistakes. I personally love right. The stormtrooper in his head. I yeah. am. I'm so glad that wasn't one of the fixes. I'm so glad <laughs> right. that George left that alone. It's perfect. And, and, and I'm. I'm a big believer. They should still make a figure of the guy in the jeans just for <laughs> just for people to be able to they say. Have I have online. They have <laughs> exactly. I've seen it. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah. No. Look, guys. We've been, we've been going for about an hour and a half. Go ahead, D Doc. Before we start closing up. Do you think they're going to call Boba Fett ship the slave one in the show? That's one question right there. Mm. Is he going to say, yeah. I have to board? I, are they going to say, oh, that's Boba Fett's starship? I bet they should the fire spray it. now. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. Alfie, I bet, I bet, yeah, I bet they refer to it as the model as opposed to its name. So someone will say, oh, there's a fire spray. That's, that's Boba Fett's one or something like that. They'll, they'll find a way of not saying it, I think. 
You agree? I'll be very shocked if they say the latest War the Bounty Hunters comic book. He refers to it as the fire spray. Hmm. Play so that X-wing game that I play. So it's the Star Wars Legion, which is but the X-wing, which is the dogfighting version of it. The model card on it—that's the first time I really have ever heard of it. When I got the card, the box said Slave One, but you can fly it as a generic pilot without Boba, and it's called a fire spray. And I was like, "What the hell is a fire spray?" Before I looked at the card art to see that it was actually Boba, the the Slave One. So the, the fire spray is out there, and people flying and playing X yeah. Wing have known that it known it as and yeah. people that are deep into Star Wars lore, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. I think it's just. I, I drive a Mustang, and you know what? The name on it, on the app, on my Ford app, is Obi-Wan. So, I mean, it's my <laughs> it's the Obi-Wan to me, but it's a Mustang. So, if Boba wants to call it a Slave One, but it's a fire spray, I guess that's, that's the way we're going. It's, so. Yeah, it's like it's like the... the I, I don't know, when I got, I got so many questions, especially following that whole incident with this rename, Everyone was obsessed about it. Every podcast, that's what it centered around. And all I said was, because people were like saying, why are, you, why are you getting upset? And I said, you'd be upset if they renamed the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Who wouldn't be upset at the renaming of the, the Millennium Falcon? If suddenly Millennium became a bad word because of something that happens in the future. You mean the you Y-1300? Or the YT-1300? YT-1300. That's, that's what it would have to become. But people would be like up in, they'd be, they'd be yeah, outraged. Yeah. They would Completely. be outraged. Completely. So, you know. Um, hey, we're, we're going to, we've, we've had a good, good long show here. Everybody's got to get to sleep, get to work, except for Mark, who's still nice and nice, good early oh, evening. No, I'm old. It's, it's, it's bedtime. <laughs> I'll start, Brent, I'll start with you. Any closing thoughts, anything you want to end the show with before we, before we, uh, just any final thoughts you want to bring to it? So I am going to actually have street cred with my wife who thinks that I'm just the biggest nerd on the planet when I tell her that I actually talked to the person who animated Casper the ghost yeah. because that's <laughs> one of her favorite pictures. So she's going to be like, oh, really? Like, yeah, it's not mm. just Star Wars people sometimes. <laughs> no, so it's really, really awesome talking to you, sir. Um, I'm excited. I, I am excited for Boba Fett's the show to come out, but I'm trying to keep my open mind as to... I know that there are the, there are those ideas of the flashbacks, and I hope we get some of those um, stories. I would love to see where that dent came from. You know what I mean? Like, and where some of those battle scars, like, oh, that's where that came from. But I'm I'm open to see if it's not. And any Twilic on screen is worth watching. <laughs> D Doc, you, I'll let you go next, and and I'm going to tell you again. Shout out here. Thank you again for getting us connected to Mark because. He is awesome, and I hope we get to, at some convention in the future, meet up with him, but uh, uh, face-to-face instead of just on Zoom calls here. But, D-Doc, any closing thoughts or any topic you wanted to hit on we didn't hit on tonight? No, I mean, honestly, I just want to say it was awesome to have Mark on. there Tonight there was times I had to remind myself that I was actually on the podcast rather than just listening because some of the stuff he was saying was just so interesting. And it, It's really good to just get a peek inside of the inner workings of this stuff. And, you know, I can tell you're a passionate guy who enjoys working on it the same, same way I might working on other stuff too. You know, it's like, it, it's fun to just be able to have a conversation and talk with you. And, you know, I'm, I enjoy following you and I'm excited for future stuff that you do. So. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Hey, yep. and, and so Mark, just to let you know, this rule of the galaxy 
awesome thing behind me. D-Doc made this. It's all done by wood. It's all, you know, kind of like three-dimensional three behind me here. So he's very crafty and handy here. So if you ever need uh, you ever need something to put up some of your artwork on here, D-Doc's <laughs> the guy to go through. So okay. um, I kind of like this right here. That might yeah. be one in the future. I might throw that on, on, on some wood eventually. Yeah. There you I go. A large one on the wall. Yeah. There you go. Alfie, since Boba Fett is your your thing, your guy, before we end with Boba Fett here, I, I thought I'd drop it by you and any closing thoughts or anything like that you might have. This really has just been an amazing conversation. I've loved hearing the stories. And like D Doc said, I've really gotten lost listening <laughs> and i've had to remind myself i have to think of something to say but uh yeah i it's been great and i can't That's wait it. to hear what you have to say about the book of boba fett once it drops yeah, yeah. Well, i just have to invite me in the future afterwards oh, count afterwards. on it count After, on it so we can like reflect there you go. yes i think that's a good idea um mark I, I i will tell you um again from 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 being the host of the show, just having somebody on of your stature and the things you've been involved with is, is fantastic. What I always like to tell people is, is right now, I mean, what's the best way if there's things that people can either buy from you or reach out to you about, or the places to contact you or any kind of things that will support anything you're doing. Uh, what's, what's the best ways for people to track you down or, or visit what you've done or what you're doing right now? Um, uh, if you can't find me under my name, then uh, Boba Fett, A-N-H-S-E, A-N-H-S-E, uh, yep. New Hope Special Edition. Um, but I'd love to plug my uh, YouTube because I've got so much stuff on my YouTube channel. Again, it's Boba Fett, A-N-H-S-E. I've got all my paintings on this, uh, stop motion. I've even got um, footage salvaged from the shoot that we were talking about um, on that December morning. Um, awesome. It, I, got, I got it and it was um, sped up. It was like Benny Hill. <laughs> so I stretched it out to normal, normal rate, but each one was sped up slightly more. So if you watch it, you, you see it's a bit more jittery as it goes along because I stretched it out to to see yep. what, what it was real time because the guy had compressed everything. So, um, well, but that's, that's on there. And uh, yeah. You got it. You got it. Well, one, again, thank you. Um, we do, we, you know, our other guests, we keep telling them, uh, hopefully at a convention or, or sometime our paths will cross. And we love doing this on the Zoom. But, but Where we, are you guys then? Where are you we're, guys? We're, we're all in Indiana, except for D-Doc, who's in Philadelphia. Okay, so, Indiana. Yeah. So do they have you, conventions in Indiana? Yeah. There's uh, a there's a couple Indian there's like a pop con that came through. There's an Indiana Comic Con. They're all there's pro and then there's uh Gen Con, which is more tabletop gaming and gaming type stuff. Um I, there's there's a comic con that they're trying to yeah. get off the ground. It's a little bit smaller one. Um mm -hmm. all seem to be right around the September to November time range. Okay. At least at least that's what it seemed like. We're, we're yeah, we're we're right in between St. Louis, Chicago, Cincinnati, Detroit, Louisville. You put a ring around us there. Though, though, so if you're ever going to be in any of those areas, please let it's us close know. Close Encounters that. Country. Uh, yes, it? yes. Close Encounters yeah. Country. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's the first time someone's told me that. But yes, you are correct. <laughs> um, before, So thank you again, Mark. And, and for all of our listeners, thank you. This is a great show for us to just kind of, we kind of nerded out and geeked out just 
feeling like we were in touch with the Star Wars universe right here tonight with Mark. But I did want to give a shout out to um, somebody before we before we broke away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Baker, if you want to follow Scott Baker on Facebook, he, look up Scott Baker. He, he's he got uh, he's wearing an X-Wing helmet. He is the guy who owns my2dheroes.com. That's my, the number two, the letter D, and then heroes, my2dheroes.com. He does have quite a bit of Boba Fett stuff. He does magnets. He does stickers. He does stand-ups for your your rooms or for your yard or whatever. Um, we're going to get some things and some T-shirts to him soon that, that are going to be really cool. Um, but if anybody wants to just check that out, I always like to promote people who do really good work and uh, it's my2dheroes.com. Scott Baker uh, on Facebook. He Again, he's wearing an X-Wing helmet if you're looking for that guy. But <laughs> I just think he's really good and he does some really good work. So I want to give him a shout out there. But to everybody, again, thank you so much for being a part of the show. For our listeners, thank you for being with us 107 chapters in. Uh, we're going to keep doing this. We've got some great guests coming up in the near future. Mark was great. We're going to have him back after the book of Boba Fett and hear his thoughts on that. Um, always follow us again at rule the galaxy SW on Twitter, rule the galaxy SW at gmail.com, just rule the galaxy on Facebook. And you'll be able to check us out on YouTube under rule the galaxy here in the next few days. And until next week, may the force be with you.